Hi everyone, you're listening to the Bialucci podcast, uncensored and completely unedited discussions about life and everything in it. We hope you enjoy the show. I keep getting cuts. I keep waking up with like cuts on me. Hi everyone. How are you? It's podcast time. Yeah, I mean, uh, just quickly... I was walking, uh, this only just makes me sound weird, right? So I've got, so every now I'll keep waking up with cuts, right? And the other, which you go, you put to the back of your mind of like, somehow I'm cutting myself. I don't know how it's happening, but somehow you are. Okay, so let, let it there. But the other day, I was walking, the other day, the other month, I was walking in to a petrol station and I'm from my car, I'm walking into the petrol station, right? Walking through the petrol station. Before I get to the door, I feel like a nick on the back of my hand and I look and the sort of blood coming down me. I'm thinking, what's that? What's that just happened just now as I'm walking in between cars? And I've just seen another one. Look there. What's that? That's why is that? I didn't cut myself. Okay. I mean, I don't know where that goes. No, I, I wake up with bruises sometimes, and I feel like yeah, I feel like someone's enough. beat me up with a pool cue when I've been asleep. And it's yeah, but you I do don't... bang if you're walking. That's cuts. That's... I've got, and I've got nothing, so I don't even want to bring it up. It's just I'm sort of airing it, and somebody go, well, I've got an idea. I read a book once. No, there's nothing. Right, well, <laughs> Amelia. Uh, did I say Amelia? Yeah, that's Oh, God, cool. I know. Um, Coleman. That's me. Kalman, Coleman. Coleman. Where does that originate from? So it's actually Swedish. Oh. So um, I think it's pronounced Shelmin in Sweden. So it used really? to be K-J-A-L-M-A-N. But then uh, my great-grandfather maybe great-great-grandfather, immigrated through Ellis Island and realized oh. that the Americans don't do KJs very right. well. Okay. So it got changed to Coleman. Oh, lovely. You're, um, so you've said sort of two lives, really, the futurist. I literally Googled to make sure you were the same person, oh. <laughs> just to make sure, okay, no, you were the person that wrote the book um, and now is classed as a futurist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what should we do for let's do the futurist first. So I'm I'm not a Luddite, although I think the Luddites get a bad reputation. They're not quite the, the one dimensional. A lot of it was to do with safety and health and safety, really. Uh, but it wasn't people that hated technology. Are you sticking up for the Luddites? Well, no, <laughs> no but they were a lot of them. They've got a bad rep in history. No, but <laughs> they were, we need to re- A lot of their stuff was them. because they were putting kids in charge of machinery and things that were getting hurt. And they were saying, look, they're not they're not qualified to be using this. People are getting hurt. It wasn't, we hate technology. It was a lot to do with people who aren't, they're getting hurt by using these machines. Now that's over, that's dwarfed by everything else. But generally, I think they get a bad rap. Do you know the origin of the word sabotage? I don't. Oh, the sabo, the shoe. They used to throw the shoes in there. Into the machines to make them stop working. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And I know that sabo. from Star Trek 2. The oh, Rathal right. Khan, they mentioned that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a fun fact. It I is a good that. fact, yeah. So the wood, it's a clog, isn't it? A sabot? Uh, yeah. Well, I thought it was a cloth shoe. Oh, what? Sorry? It's just a shoe. It's just a shoe. Yeah, it's a cloth shoe. Okay. I've lost my track now. So I would be classed as a Luddite technically because I'm not... In fact, today, I was just talking about I got on the train and I can't remember the last time I got on the train. I didn't know trains had plug sockets. So when did that start? Okay, so trains are a, a new form of technology. No, but I just mean I hadn't been on it for years. Like, because okay. okay, th- times flip and I can't catch up. So I remember going on the bus like 15 years ago with money, and he said, "No, we don't accept money. We've got an Oyster card or whatever it was." And I was like, "What are you talking about? You don't accept money? No, we don't do that." And I was thinking, "All right." And then I went to go back on about five years ago. 
and I was got, went to the station to say uh, the the sweet shop to say, "Have you got the oyster?" I said, "No, you don't do that. You can use money again." I'm like, like, make your mind up, people. Anyway, but I had to get on the train recently. Just to confuse you, they've just ruled that you can't do money anymore on buses. Right. You see. You see. You should. Life's not complicated enough. You should do it like <laughs> like I used to do this. Um, like foreign taxi drivers who are demanding, like. 58 quid for like a three pounds yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> a, a taxi ride i just put the money down on the floor i put the money down on the seat just go right there we go you can ha- give it to the house walk off and just walk <laughs> off and it'd be like right you can have that on nothing well when i used to work you should in- do that with a bus i'm saying just put down the money like, yeah. put the money down the floor and just walk off yeah. when, when i used to work in nightclubs um it's quite big clubs and uh, obviously you get a lot of but like, i mean it had six bars five bars in there and the, the a lot of fake money used to come through every night and it was usually from a minicab, people that run minicabs. Because what they were doing is at night time, when people are drunk, they're giving them change and just giving them the fake coins. They don't know what they can get them back. But the other one was police officers. Ooh. You'd catch people, yeah. To the point where, uh, there's some other problems, but the, one of the chief constables or whatever come down and said, if you catch anyone, I want you to call my number. Because it was getting silly. Like he had to go above the head of police officers and say, look, we keep catching your fellow. They let them go, but they kept saying, look, we keep catching. It's getting embarrassing. Like your lot of thinking me money. Um, and he said, all right, from now on, let me know. And I'll have to, I'll have come sort it. But the minicabs, which you understand the minicabs, they're passing it off when people are drunk. Yeah, there's your change, mate. It's like a, a 51 pound note. <laughs> um, oh, I've lost my the best, the, the best fake. That, go on. S- sidebar. Yeah. Uh, the best fake note I ever saw. Um, it was a 20 pound note and it had uh, Peter Andre. <laughs> oh come on, the queen. Um, and it was it was be- it was beautiful because he was sort of going, and it was uh, mid nineties. Peter Andre with the right, yeah, and yeah, bit of six pack, yeah, 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 and stuff, and like yeah, and um, and I think it said sort of uh, you know twenty pounds fu or something. Oh for God's sake! <laughs> well, at least today was a bit humorous, yeah. right? So what I was saying is, I'm not great with technology. Plus, I was thirty years behind everyone anyway because I had a bit of a dodgy life, so I never came into the world till I was about thirty. So I'm just way out the bloody zone. I don't know what's going on. And I thought, right, so futurists, right, technology. I get it. I'm just worried about the downsides. I hear you. Um, you should be. And I listen. Yeah. Well, I listen to <laughs> Skynet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listened to a few of your interviews, and I thought. I feel a little bit better. It's you're positive about it. I trust you. Then you brought up the thing about oh god, I've forgotten it now. But there's some there's a condition where people are playing games all the time and they come out and the no, they're expecting noises and things. What yeah, was it it's a condition. I can't remember. So it's called gaming transfer phenomenon. That was it. Yeah, the three barrel. Yeah. And basically, when we spend too much time in front of a screen on a game, we start to see and hear the things from the game inside our real life. Yeah. So uh, Minecraft is one of those games where you start to see things in squares and hear the sounds from from the games. Yeah. And um, and it's a, a psychological effect. So people who you know work inside virtual reality and stuff and develop in there, they're coming out of these experiences feeling this dislocation. Yeah. And you know I have a friend who used to say that he'd come off of doing this development work and then his instinct was to walk into traffic because in virtual reality, you can walk into traffic yeah. and nothing happens. There's no consequence. So um, as we start to spend more time in these worlds, that's going to be something that we have to pay attention to. That's super interesting because I have actually experienced that myself. In what yeah. way? Um, I used to, well, I went through a phase where I played a lot of Skyrim. Right. I racked up about 700 hours on it. Seven, no, 750 hours. That's DLCs. not healthy. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I was unemployed at the time. Oh, okay, right, yeah. 
Um, you know, didn't great. have a lot going on. <laughs> um, it was there, and someone bought me the game. I didn't right. even pay for it. I think my mate gave it to me. So uh, that's what I was doing with my life back then. Um, and there was a point where, like, I was. I remember I went outside on my rare excursions yeah. outside. I was in like a wood, and then I saw like loads of flowers, and I thought, oh, I should pick those up because I can make potions out of them. Oh, no. And then I was just like, <laughs> Ooh, ah, wow. I, I, I honestly thought that for a minute, and this I was is, like, yeah. oh, and I thought, oh, God, okay. See, this is, it feels like, it's like, I get it, right, there's Facebook, and you've got Google over there, and it's all exciting, and all the people following them, and the thing, and the tech, and it's all great, but I feel like I'm sort of looking ahead at the carriage, and there's nobody at the front of it. And I go, is anybody steering this thing? Because I'm looking back and there's a sort of detritus of anxiety and stresses and people. What's the, the ikikimori, you know, the, 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 with people anxiety can't go out the houses, which will come here. It's, there's no, whatever's happening over in Tokyo will come here. What? <laughs> I think it already is after well, yeah, I mean, coronavirus I'm talking, yeah. and stuff. I, st- I still know some people who are feeling that way. That, that is very true. And I know... Um, uh, there's a, a push to go back to the workplace now, um, mm. especially with uh, furlough finishing and uh, and just a lot of big companies coming out stating, um, yeah, you, you, you've got to transition back to the workplace. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know a lot of people, I mean, where I'm working stuff, a lot of people are resistant and a lot of people are still very anxious. And these people who double jabbed and, you know, lots of them don't have underlying health conditions for this, still that, uh, that sort of mentality, you know what I mean? And like, it's because it, it's, it's weird how quickly we can get into a habit, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, we all essentially went through a trauma as mm. a global society, and we're still kind of having to deal with the after effects of that. And I don't think that we have even begun to see, you know, the actual um, effects when it comes to things like mental health and yeah. the future. And my the other problem is, at least if you're over 30, you can still, you've, you, you were given tools at least that you can still hang on to. But if you've grown up, not running around in the street and all that. You haven't got those tools yet. And if you've never experienced them, and now you're 20s and 30s, and it's only tech, you've sort of got a big problem. Like, it feels like, you know, like the Wild West, when I said, like, with the gold rush, it, the internet's like the Wild West. Like, there's all these things, and the rules haven't caught up yet. There's no sheriffs. People are doing what they want. The rules haven't. What do we say? What can you say? It feels like that. It feels like everyone's sort of run off somewhere, and nobody's actually going, right, we have to emotionally catch up with what's happening now. Well, I don't know if you saw um, last week in the Wall Street Journal, or over the last couple of weeks, they've been releasing the Facebook files, which are absolutely terrifying and they make me outraged and what is this um so there's kind of like three main points so one is that people there's about five five million vip users influencers who get a complete pass so they aren't monitored or anything so was this a leak or a this, an email leak or um, info dump or yeah basically i think there was a whistleblower right. okay and um and so people like Donald Trump and like all like uh, his family and all these mm. kind of people were basically getting a free pass. Um, number two, how they recognize the negative impact of social media on especially teenagers, teenage girls, teenage boys, impacting suicide, impacting, you know, yeah. depression, anxiety, anxiety, all those kind of things, like extremely. And then the third one, which I think is the worst, is um, about how the algorithm actually takes the most controversial, messed up shit and pushes it to the top because that's going to get the most reaction and engagement and discourse. So what they're really doing is is 
being very divisive. And these are these algorithms saying, oh, well, if we say this, that'll piss off these people and these people will defend it. And so that's going right to the top. And that's becoming our society. So, I mean, I honestly think that, you know, we can trace the rise of Facebook to the rise of of the right and to fascism yeah, yeah, yeah. and um you know and you know like the the civil war that America's in at the moment you know yeah. just between political parties um and my question is what can we do about it and can we make it something that doesn't get worse because where we're looking at now is going into web 3.0 so uh-huh. um so moving on from the internet into the metaverse and uh, i think we have an opportunity here to really kind of redefine what we want out of our social media out of our internet experience all this kind of thing except the world wide web was originally created by scientists and technologists and academia to be a way that we could share information across global territories. Whereas, um, you know, with this version of the internet, it definitely has commerce at the center of it. And it's being made without any government regulation or oversight by big tech companies yeah. specifically to sell you shit. Yeah, it's the, the thing, this thing of like Facebook just going, well, it's nothing to do with us. We're just, you know, a platform. You go, Oh no! It's it, it, like I say, it's an algorithm. You, you're designed to put the freak show stuff at the top, controversy, confliction. Everything is is, but they still get away with it. Like, oh, we're just Facebook. No, I mean, I hate Facebook, but I talk <laughs> about them all the time. You would, <laughs> you wouldn't know. So, like, I quit Facebook during the Cambridge Analytica scandal. I quit WhatsApp a couple right, of years yeah, ago. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I am literally addicted to Instagram. You know, like I What's don't the have pull towards Instagram. Um, well, it's it's the algorithm. It's the it's the fear of missing out. It's the whole thing. So, I mean, I literally don't keep the app on my phone so that yeah, right, if yeah. I if I need if I feel the urge to go on, I have to make a conscious decision yeah. that I am going to go on. But, you know, you can lose 20, 30 minutes of your oh. life just scrolling. And then when you come off of it, do I feel any better about myself? No. Not really. Yeah. You know, it's. So it, I suppose, it, I mean, I, I think things like that are like a time sink, you know, like the, exactly. And like, it's kind of like, oh, I've got 20 minutes until my food's ready. And you go, I'll just do time sink. And basically, I'll skip those 20 minutes by doing this task. Yeah. You know? But the thing is, see, I, I moved, I had a weird, like, because I, I kept sort of skipping in and out of life. And I sort of like, like now, I'm not being funny, but when I got on the trains, I thought, oh, there's curtains on here. What? Oh, I didn't know the plug sockets on. How did that work? Like, I saw I didn't know. I got off the train and I saw adverts with lots of black people in. I thought, oh, they've started doing that. Like, because I haven't seen it slowly work its way in. So I thought, oh, they like, finally well done, caught society. No, but good, good on. That's what yeah. I mean. It was jarring. Yeah. That I was stood there and I thought, oh, they finally caught up with the world. But if you're there every day, you don't notice it. And my thing with the technology, I still, I mean, the first thing I say to people, you don't need it on your phone. It does not need to, unless you're some big business or whatever, that has to come off your phone. And when they say, well, no, but, you go, I'm literally talking to an addict. You're in denial. Same traits as any other thing. It's, it's the like a same, junkie. You're, yeah. yeah, same chemicals in your brain. The fact that I'm not saying get rid of it. But whatever you have to do, you can have it when you get home. You go, no, I can't rationalize it, but I need it. I have to have it here with me. And I'll go, wow. Like, uh, that's a, like that's not – you're like a child, really. You are like a child. And um, the fact that it's been able to interject itself 
not just in between sort of communities, but in between parents and child. Like it's got in there, the little crevice there. That's how good it is. It gets tighter and tighter until you're in your own little bubble. And people go, oh, algorithms, we can tell you, like Netflix or whatever, we're going to tell you what you want. I don't want you to tell me what I want. I want to be thrown that weird stuff. It's not a benefit. Well, to be- in, in a way, it's a way to monetize um, uh, interactions and relationships. And it's like through technology, they finally found a way to make money out of you having a chat with yeah, your friends. Yeah, but it's the you manipulation know I mean? you having a chat with, with your friend that. or showing a picture to your dad or whatever, you know, oh, this is a lovely sunset. They found a way to literally make money and advertise on, the, on these, on these yeah, intimate uh, I don't even mind that. It's a business. But it's when you start to manipulate. And then you go, well, how do we manipulate? Well, insecurities, hate. But we can. Then you go, no, now you're tipping into something way different than just a company. But I do. Is there anything on the horizon for somebody, laws, something, taking a bit of control? I mean. Well, I hope so. I mean, in the US, they're doing. Um, they're making moves to regulate companies right. like Facebook. Um, in Europe, we have made some good moves towards data privacy and data protection. But is this pandering or is it? Because you keep hearing this thing about data privacy and it seems to mean nothing. Honestly, any steps at this point are good positive steps. Right, we need yeah. more. We yeah. need more all the time. Um, regulators are traditionally always behind the curve and they're always playing catch up. Catch up yeah. And the truth is, is that a lot of startups and tech companies actually wouldn't mind some regulation because it helps to level the playing field. It means everybody's working to the same standards. And also, I mean, you know, there's the fear of stifling innovation, but then there's also the fear of people going too far yeah. and then not being able to come back from it. Yeah, it feels a bit like that with technology. It's just like, just run ahead, run ahead, run ahead with nobody. Again, it's like the Wild West. Eventually you go, right, there's a community here. We need to police the community. There needs to be a sheriff there. Do you know what I mean? It needs that sort of... Yeah, but I also like to remind people that we all vote. We all vote by what we look at, what we... The apps that we download, the apps that we use, the websites that we go to, the companies that we support by yeah. giving our attention to, and you know, by by not giving our attention to certain apps, that is our vote. Yeah, honest to God, I specifically know I won't click on something, I won't look at something, I won't do something because I say you're, where you spend your pound or your eyes is more important than your vote nowadays because the vote goes where the money is anyway. Sometimes I won't give a, <coughs> I won't give a click to something. You know yeah, no, I, mean? like, I specifically like won't with do an it, article yeah. sometimes, you know, or a, or a piece or a video, even even if it looks like a bit, even if it looks so dumb that it looks interesting or, or controversial yeah, or salacious, you know benef- what I mean? I don't want you to benefit yeah, from I, my click. Yeah, I, I, was like, I yeah. don't want to give him a view, yeah. I'm the person who goes to a website and, you know, you always get those pop-ups, do you agree, just hit accept, and I go into it and I go, nope, nope, yeah, nope, yeah. nope, nope. You had a little phase of that, didn't you? I <laughs> did for a long time. <laughs> About two I, weeks. And yeah. I, no, I did for a long time and now I'm just like, I don't care. I, I can't be care, bothered. You, you've broken <laughs> it's me. It's really bad. It's really bad. So I used to be really, I used to go through every single bit, like oh. every site, every time. And yeah. I think there needs to be like, I hate to say this, but there needs to be like a moral court. Yeah, legally, your solicitors, your, your 10 pages of legal paper said this and that, but morally, was it right? No, was anybody morally? <laughs> I know you don't. I don't get to sort of Sharia law. This is what I'm saying. It's, you're starting to get into like religious courts. <laughs> but did you ever see that Black Mirror where they had, no, you know, um, basically in the T's and C's, everybody checked something off and just right. accepted it. And it was the singing competition. And basically, I think it ended up in, and if you lost, you got killed or something. Oh, but we okay. said yes to the T's and C's, you know. Nobody but reads Michael, It's like an old Eddie, Eddie Izzard bit. He did that. And mm. he said, yeah, he goes, because no one reads it, the Apple Store bit. And he goes, you know, so give away your firstborn child. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> thousand, <laughs> yeah. thousand years in slavery. Yeah, whatever. It's like, yeah. I mean, you took a technically, 
clicking it and that would be a legally binding thing. You could be signing anything. Mm. Oh, no, you agreed to give us 50 quid a month. Mm. Yeah. But see, this is what I mean. There needs to be a sheriff in town. <laughs> There's a new sheriff Law in town. And, order. and he's come to clean up the internet. My only thing that makes me feel better, I have to sort of convince myself not to feel so bad, is when I think about medical advancements and... You know, AI helping to, I don't know, pick up cancers or yeah, help with MS sure. or depression. On, um, I mean, look, I, I keep hearing things about, you know, implanting things in the brain to help with serotonin release and things. I don't I never know if that's real or not. But there was like a foil thing that goes into the head and there's a wire come, that you can stimulate to release serotonin. That was a few years ago. Yeah. And those sort of things make me feel a bit better. Or when I see robotics are helping people with they can't walk and you go... You know, I, we're, I don't we're, know if that class is technology. Of course that's technology. Yeah. But, but I mean, we're at the vanguard. I mean, with internet and stuff, unfortunately, we're at the vanguard. Uh, we're right there yeah. at the tip of the spear here. Yeah. And, we're sort of, and as I said, you make, we're making it up as we go along. Generations, um, you know, that will that will follow us, they will be able to learn, hopefully, from our mistakes. And, and, yeah, but and I'm worried. They'll be able to accept it. And, and I do think that we're at the point now where we're standing, we're sat in the theatre and the, the movie of the train is coming and we're all running out the theatre with a hand yeah, 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 about yeah. in scared that we're going to be run over. And I think a couple of generations later, they, they would say, oh, no, I think they'll understand that, no, all this stuff is rubbish. <laughs> all, all of this is lies yeah, and nonsense. No, but that, that's and, any and generation. They said it with printed books and all that. That's what I'm saying. But my yeah. point is with technology is you're losing your privacy. There might be things you can't come back from. Like with the thing with the 23 and Me where you do your DNA and send that off and there's a thing in it to say, you know, we can use this for whatever purposes, whatever. You go, right, that's fun. Good, that's fun. You know, 20 quid, whatever, you get your DNA. You go, but do you know what you're selling? Like you've just put, you've given to a tech company. Who owns 20? Isn't it like the Google, one of the Google owners? Whoever owned Google, I think it's a woman, she she owns it. And you go, well, why are they getting involved? There's always a business. It's always something to do with money. So what you've just sold your half your child's dna quarter of your grandchild's dna you've sold that for fun now technology running ahead people but now when your great grandkids can't get a mortgage because somewhere in their line it says well your great grandfather had heart heart condition and your great mother she had a heart so you you're going to be in a higher apr rate you can't come back from that and that's what it's like walking around the fucking apple watch you're giving away your heartbeat you're telling them that that's not for fun that's not. I know they've sold that to you. It's fun, but you're selling your your health. That will come back to haunt you. That's not for fun. And the cheaper it is, the more you know. Like the DNA thing that went cheap real quick. DNA tests. Why? Because there's always a reason why. So that the Occam's razor. Why is that? Like there's always the obvious thing. So all that DNA, all that what out your your heartbeat and what that's going to come back to haunt your children. What your health was doing. What your heartbeat was but, doing. Um, uh, do you, and you don't come back from that. Do you use Google though? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I use Google. Yeah. Do you use Google? I mean, Google is now synonymous yeah, with the verb of yeah, Googling. It's a, it, yeah. It is, like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a word in a language. Monopoly. Now, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, I keep I saying to Andrew, like, when did everyone sell their privacy? When did you go, no, nah, stop talking? He was sort of mocking me for going, trying to keep your privacy. Like, that's gone. Yeah. What you got? What? So you think, too, like the, the future of, of glasses, having smart glasses um, that can record things and see things, we're actually giving companies the 
a way to see through our eyes. Yeah. So they're going to know every time we lie, yeah. every time we break a law, yeah. um, you know, our intimate reactions to things that are maybe subconscious that we aren't even aware of. Um, these big companies are going to know this information. And then governments will know. These, these little micro-actions, like you do a double-take yeah. at someone, maybe see see an attractive person walk past, and you yeah. do a double-take, and you don't even realize it, you know what I mean? Or you see someone, you're like, oh, they're a bit... Yeah, and then where does that go? Looking, Somebody's you know? in your head. Yeah. And then all your... It's like anything. It starts off as fun, then it starts off as this, and then eventually it's so everywhere everyone has to have it and then there'll be a law passed sort of like with cars with black boxes oh is the insurance goes down a little bit oh it goes down a bit more oh it's so popular we're going to introduce it oh now everyone has to have it and then you go but now what you, you you're creating so many problems by losing your privacy and the thing of seeing what you're seeing like i was talking to a journalist once of rt russia today and she was saying the thing of well if you haven't got anything to hide you go but then Right, logically, where does it go? It's not the problem now I'm talking. You've got to look further ahead. Where does this go? And that is the wrong attitude because what's going to happen is without even knowing it, without our consent, they are invading our thoughts. Yeah. You know, this is mind control we're actually talking about, you know? Well, she was saying about the fact that, well, we should have cameras on the cars and all that to record if anything goes wrong. And I'm thinking, I know logically now what you're saying works. But then you go, okay, but now everyone has to have it eventually because insurance, now you've got that recorded. But then you could say that with the government, as I was saying to her, if you say, well, if you've got nothing to hide, which on the face of it makes sense, why not have a camera outside? Is everyone safe? But then you go, well, that worked. So, but then the crimes weren't being committed there. They were being committed in the houses, domestic violence. All right, we'll put a camera in everyone's house then. But just in the living room. Right, but then the sexual abuse was going on, but it's going on in the bedroom. Okay, then we'll have to have cameras in the bedrooms. Okay, that sort of that. No, it's moved into the toilets now because they know the cameras are. And he goes, so you might as well, if you have cameras one place and say about safety, then you have to have it everywhere. Otherwise, it doesn't work because the, 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 the crimes just move away from the cameras. But we already have phones everywhere we go. Yeah, and this is what my point is like, why am I even discussing this? Because, and I hate to say, privacy has gone. I don't know when it went. But it is gone. So there's no point talking about it well, anymore. Well, this is the thing is we've all made these little steps. Right, we right, we all have a phone. We all yeah. use Google. And we all have, I mean, as I said, Google knows. I, I Google like a lot of stupid stuff that comes into my head and like stupid questions. I'm like, what is that? And like, yeah. so Google knows like tons of stuff about me. Like, like Google knows like stupid random thoughts that come into my head that I just sort of go, oh, I wonder if anyone else said this stupid thing. I wonder if this is a thing, you know. But it's literally tracked. I don't know how far back they could go, but they could track, because everywhere you've either used a card or got on public transport or a camera. So they can say, oh, look, you were Googling this, sexual health. Oh, then you went to this place. There was a fifteen ninety nine that come or whatever it costs. I don't know. To and then afterwards, you were next door to the sexual health place, and you got a coffee at the thing, and you go. And then you were googling like how to deal with depression after the sexual health problem. Do you know what I mean? So everything's locked. Rather personal. I, no, <laughs> I mean something private. It's not well. Nobody knows I went there. Nobody was. No, they can see from your card you went there. They know the time you went there. They know that you googled that question. They know that afterwards you googled another question. So they know what's happened. And then you go. Oh yeah, privacy has gone. It's gone. So that's fascism. Like that's gone. There, like you've sold that. Bearing in mind, but we're all people charged up the be the, the beaches to to face machine gun uh, machine guns, so you could have you know, autonomy and privacy and all those things. And we went, no, we don't have it. Take yeah. it away. And it's like, right? Am I literally 
Am I being antiquated just by even talking about the fact of having private? Like, I- no, it's really good. We need to be talking about this stuff. But is it gone? I think it's gone. I think privacy has gone. Like it went. Some, it went ten years ago. I think. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm arguing against. Um, yeah, uh, maybe it has. But this is an antiquated question. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember when Oyster cards came in. I was a bit like, oh, I don't like that. They can track where you go and, and it's connected to, they'll know who it's, it's me and they'll, because yeah. I'm making payments to it. Yeah. They'll, they'll see where, all the weird places I go. Yeah. They'll see all the, yeah. off to the shops and back, off yeah. to the shops, <laughs> about really boring life. This dude goes to work, goes <laughs> yeah. to the shops, back home. Um, but nowadays, I, I think it's ease of you. It's ease and it's laziness. And it's my, on my behalf, like, like not clicking like saying I just consent to all, yeah, the, to all yeah. the ads and analytics and yeah. stuff on a website. It's just, I can't, it's just, you get that over and over again. It's just easier to, to say yes. I was like, yeah, you know? right, where's my phone? Right, look. What's that like? I've got the camera, the little thing covering the camera. On my high, out the house, on the house computer, I've got a little thing. And I was talking to them for 10 minutes, explaining to them why I didn't want to take off the sticker because it's my last sticker. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to forget to put it back on. And I took it off and I forgot. I thought, right, that thing's been recording me now. And it's, oh, I don't know. Do you know what? As I was talking, I think the conversation's gone. Can you make me feel better? Has, has privacy gone? You're the future. Um, to, <laughs> to a large degree, I think, yes, yes, we have given it away, but there's it's evolving all the time. So new opportunities for our data to go to big business um, and governments and stuff are being presented to us all the time. And like I said before, I think it's just really important to remember that we have a choice and to be conscious about the decisions that we make. I mean, technology to me, it's here to enhance the human experience, not replace it, not you know, cause mind control, not to um, harm us. And I think we are walking a very fine line right now. And I think the more we talk about it, the more people start to become aware. Because uh, that's the the bigger problem is when we start to integrate with AI and you start getting things put in and all this sort of like We already have. No, but that's what I mean. But when it gets into sort of like the mind and where you can bypass Google, we know you can just think about Google and it won't and go, but you're giving a key to somebody's got a key to the inside your body now. That's not a joke. I'm annoying myself by talking. Like I I'm trying to look for a good. I have to keep going on the medical thing, the medical advancements to do with AI, and that's got a. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we can use AI now to. I mean, essentially, you know, have this this worldwide pool of of things like cancer patients yeah. and. People have very unique, different strains of yeah. cancer. And before, there was never any way to know that if your patient in Idaho has the same symptoms as somebody in France and yeah. they did this treatment and it worked, you know, now we are able to have AI pool that information to be able to give more customized, personalized yeah. care. And that is something that we as humans physically cannot do. We yeah. cannot we can't comprehend that we cannot go through that data and find it out ourselves so i mean that's a that's a really good example i i worked at the, uh, an event ages ago years ago um and i talked to this chap uh it was a he was basically sort of data mining and uh, analytics and he worked for um, a company that was doing uh, data analysis for um uh, healthcare and ambulances mm-hmm. so it was analyzing where ambulances were, were going and call outs and routes and stuff and and it was trying to effectively deploy um, ambulances in areas, you know, that that were that were more needed, yeah. you know, at certain times or whatever. So, I think that's a very good use. And it was really interesting listening to talk. I talked to him for a very long time actually, and like cause he was bored. I think at this conference and like 
and like I was just there. I think it was there on the coat, coat on the coat desk or whatever. And he just ended up chatting me for ages. Um, so I mean, there are good uses for that. I mean, it, it, most of this stuff. I mean, most of these things, you know, most are. It is all about data mining. It's all about data collection, and it's the old adage of, um, especially all these free services. You know, when the service is free. You're the product. Yeah. Your, your information is is funding that. And that's why that's how all these services are free. That's why you got this why you got Gmails, we've got Hotmails, why you got search engines, why you got all these things. And they are great. I mean, they, they are. I mean, Google Maps is fantastic. And Google mm. Street View. I mean, it's great. Honestly, in the old days, I used to have I used to have to buy an A to Z and I still got them. And it's and I laugh because I got them in my in my bookshelf. And I remember with the, you know, places I've lived and stuff, I used to have to go buy an A to Z. Sometimes I used to put it in my pocket and I used to have to look where the hell I'm going and try. Yeah, but try you would have think. now it's new to you, so you need Google Earth because people that can't use maps now. Well, yeah, like but, it's, but, it's but, but I still use it on the thing. But I mean, and like trying to find a bus and stuff, you know, you're like two in the morning and in the middle of nowhere and you're trying to find a bus and you're like, I don't know where the hell, you know, that's great. That's great. I don't know. That's a, that's a great service. Yeah, I think we're just relying too much on it. What would happen if the power went down? <laughs> I don't want to get too dramatic. Well, well we're, let's, we're going to find out this, this <laughs> winter, aren't we? I have a feeling this is going to be a, a bit of a bit of a rough a uh, bit of a rough Christmas. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, as soon as they say "Don't worry about it," it's yeah. like, what? I wasn't worried. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. As soon as they come out and say, "Okay." Don't worry, everyone. There's not a fuel shortage, <laughs> and everyone goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, there's a fuel What's shortage." What's that about fuel shortage? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I said, I said this to my mate. And this is sorry, it's a bit of a bit of a nasty thing, but it's like someone coming along and saying, "Right, don't worry. I'm not going to drug you and touch you in your sleep." Yeah, and you just go, "I'm, I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> you go, oh, no, no, "But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to drug you and touch you in your sleep." And you go, "I didn't know that was an option." And they go, "Well, good, because I'm not going to do it." And you go. Well, but now I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was on the cards. Well, it's not. So don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So you're you're how did you 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 i remember you were you got into this by being a an event mm. yeah so what was the story that i can barely remember it so i um i needed a job any job so i'm american if you couldn't tell um and i have been living in china and i had a nightclub in china that was really successful but that became a problem and I got thrown out of China. So I came to this country and it took me two years to get a visa to work. And during that time, they threw me out of this country for a while and I had to come back and all this. It was a big old mess. Um, and that's when I wrote my book was because oh, um, that was I had, that, I had okay. that time yeah, yeah. period. But, um, but then as soon as I got a visa, I needed a job, any job. I didn't really care. And I had a friend who was going to this innovation conference. And I said, I'll go along with you and I'll host your booth. And I'll talk to people and maybe network and maybe somebody will give me a job. And there was this really cool booth next to ours. And it had lots of technology. It had like holograms and touch screen tables and uh, virtual books and all this stuff I'd never seen before. And I just kept asking loads of questions and going over. And then finally, I was bringing my people over and explaining to them what had been explained to me. And somebody said, do you work for us? And I said, no, but I should. And a week later, I was hired as a marketing assistant at a creative technology agency. And there I worked my way up to become their global head of innovation. And I opened up innovation labs where people could come and get hands-on with the latest new and coming technology and really get to experience it. And what was great about this was the timing. So it was 2013, and that's when Google Glass came out, and mm. that's when the Oculus Rift first got kickstarted. So these technologies were new to everyone, and I got to have all this kind of hands-on frontline experience with it. And, um, and then it kind of took off from there. I started, um, I found that, 
because I come from a theatrical background um, and not a technical background, I have a bit of a, a talent for being able to make this intimidating technology accessible to people yeah. and 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 take this something that's really complex and make it something that everybody can understand because if i can understand but it was that it, out of the blue there was it. no you weren't sort of nerdy or geeky before you weren't subscribing to tech oh. weekly or nothing it was just that sort of random it was it was that random yeah and um and i just i i'm a i'm a very curious person right. i'm a very kind of enthusiastic passionate person so and i love being on the cutting edge like yeah, i've always okay. loved to kind of be on the forefront um and yeah, and like I said, I found kind of a niche there, and um, and then I started to get hired to speak about it and my right, work okay. in virtual reality. I also did the first uh, burlesque show in virtual reality yeah, in 2015, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and I did some experiments in it that were really cutting edge at the time. And um, and then 2017, I went freelance as a futurist. Oh, okay, and that's when it's all. Um, I, I, w- I had a meeting with somebody poor, 10 years ago, and he turned up and he had the glasses with the camera on it. That would have so, been Google Glass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. as a futurist if if you were out with somebody and they turned up wearing that does that still offend you would that be weird to you or do you go no it's technology i mean so so ray-bans and facebook have just put out a collaboration and they're sexy ray-bans that look great and they have a little tiny light that you might not even notice when it's taking pictures or recording and the big kind of fear there is that people can be recording when you aren't consenting so how do you feel about that I think it's a, I think it is a genuine concern, um, you know, but we are moving into that direction. So, I mean, every, every of the top five biggest tech companies and, and then the, the five after them are all moving in this direction of, of seeing our future, um, not looking down at a screen, looking through our eyes. Augmented reality and, um, yeah, uh, sort of user interface things yeah well that's one of the medical things with the eye they, they, they're doing really well with sort of putting chips in eyes to recreate certain lights so blind people can see i mean the last one was like seven or eight years ago i remember saying the guy can i can barely make shapes out now so that's good but then you go right but then somebody monetizes that and that's in you it starts to get a bit iffy well, uh, that, this is how things progress, though. I mean, if you yeah. think about it, at the moment, we're all walking around like, you know, have you ever seen that uh, where it goes from like apes to humans yeah. and then you see it going back down to us hunched <laughs> over our phones, right? Um, so the idea is to kind of like move in a, yeah. in a more heads up, hands free way that we can connect. And what's the mm. rules with like videoing something? Can you just walk around with those Google glasses on? There's no law to say, because if I was walking around with a camera, surely there's, no, there's rules for that, isn't there? So does it? Ch- if what is? Can I go into a bar? What about a doctor's surgery? Can I go into a doctor's surgery with Google glasses on? It, it's What's inter- the laws? It's interesting because Google Glass and, and these, you know, the 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 glasses kind of thing. Um, they're sort of having a bit of resurgence, and I think that they. That, yeah, I thought they died out until I listened to. Well, you. yeah, I mean, I think it was a bit too early. You know what I mean? Like right. sort of about seven, glass eight. holes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I remember being on the. I remember being on the on the train years ago when they first came out. Literally, when they were brand new, first came out and. Someone was on there, just minding their own business, reading the paper. It was very much how they marketed it, um, and they got it wrong. You know, like they thought it was going to be able to be a heads-up display for driving, but actually, it blocks your view right. and inhibits okay. your yeah, yeah. Um, way to um, to drive. And then also, they thought it could be something that would be fun to be able to bring up the game scores while you're having a drink at the bar or right. something like that. But again, people just look like little gimmicky stuff. Yeah, but when you start to apply that to operations and surgery 
or to uh, people who work in manufacturing, um, you know, in industry, um, to be able to have that information overlaid and still be able to use your hands yeah. is is great. And then also what we can do now is be able to um, have remote access. So if you can imagine having someone who is an expert in either the surgery or the manufacturing and all this kind of stuff, yeah. when something goes wrong or something, to be able to just allow them to see what you're seeing and have them help guide you through the right, practice, yeah. you know, those are really... Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, you know, an ambulance can have direct access to a surgeon that he can't actually be there he can say yeah i feel a bit better hmm. there are there are positive attributes yeah application yeah. potential applications for it um i was gonna say yeah when i saw this chat with the uh with the, the glasses on years ago um it stood out because two guys came up to him and said uh they didn't want him f- filming them and basically tried to get in a fight with him and asked him All to right. take it off yeah yeah but this guy so, he said to me do you know what he said to me he said because um, I said, are you recording now? He said, it's funny. He said, everyone says that. And I wanted to slap him. I was like, well, there you go then. Because he's got it on. I think, right, I can't. I'm immediately changing my opinion based on the fact that you've got a camera on me. I don't know where it is or it isn't. Even if you say it isn't, I still don't trust you. So now this whole interaction is not real anymore. So I knew it wasn't going to go ahead. Um, I want to end the technology thing on what we just said there. I feel better there where you're saying about the fact that, yeah, okay, people's lives could be saved by it. So to go to your book... So, where were you born? I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but okay. I was raised right outside Washington, D.C. in Virginia. Okay. okay. So, did you grow up in the theater? Yeah. So, um, my mother was a director. She was one of the first female directors at CBS. Film. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, television. television. And, um, and I guess I was a bit of a problem child, and she recognized I needed an outlet. A creative. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a, a creative person, yeah. yes. And... Um, and so um, I started going to auditions and got involved in theater. And I was a child actress. Um, so I did some TV films and commercials okay. and um, theater, lots of theater. And yeah, I grew up. And what, what, what happened there? How did your acting career go? Yeah, it went good. Teenager. I mean, yeah, it was great. <laughs> I had I had a lovely little career. Yeah. Um, and then I went to college and I studied acting. And then I went to Oxford and I studied Shakespeare. Hmm. And it looked like I was kind of going down that yeah. path. Um, but to be honest, when I stop to think about it now, I realize that, you know, it's an industry where you are constantly getting rejection and you're always putting your fate in somebody else's hands. Yeah. And that's, you know, as I, as I know myself better as an older person now, um, you know, that is not my style. Right, I really yeah, like yeah. to be um, kind of in control of my own fate and, and, um, and that kind but of it's thing. It's that weird thing of like, it's a vanity profession it is. with mostly rejection, yeah. <laughs> which is the worst two types of people. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's, that's another good point is I realized at some point that I don't really like actors right, very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some of them. <laughs> like, no, I'm sure some yeah, of them. Yeah, it all comes down to the individual. Uh, I sat yeah. with an actress who just left acting school who was determined to tell me about the things that she knew. And it felt like I was talking to a hologram of a, you hadn't learned anything. She'd gone from acting to acting to acting. And anytime I deviated from acting, it's all about real life. Had no clue what I was talking about, but kept trying to interpret things. Tell us, like, you don't you haven't, you haven't learned anything yet, but I couldn't be rude. Uh, just needs a few more years under her belt. Yeah, it was, she'd only just come out. She'd, she'd only uh, ever done was, acting it, school. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone's done when they're, so, when they're 21. So you, know? so you realise you didn't like the, the whole thing of acting as No, such, I, you know what? I, I industry. Take- yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a hard life and it's a it's yeah. a commitment to that. So I um 
I I had a fork in the road and I took it, you know. Um, so I met uh, my husband, who's, who's now my husband. Um, I crashed a party on his roof. He lived in the penthouse of the Chelsea Hotel in New York. And he was going around tapping everybody on the shoulder that he didn't know and say, hi, do you know me? And they'd say no, and he'd say, "Get the fuck out of my house!" And um, and he came around, tapped me on the shoulder, and I was really embarrassed. But instead, he told me I was beautiful and asked if he could kiss me. And the rest is history. Um, so he um, was a nightclub designer and um, had been involved in the revival of burlesque in New York in the '90s, in the early 2000s. Um, so he owned designed lots of these nightclubs and had a troupe of showgirls and all this stuff. And I found it very intimidating as a young woman. Um, but at the same time, I was really intrigued. And um, I decided that if he was going to be doing these shows, then I wanted to be in the show. And so he told me to come up for, with an act. And so my act was I can I wrote and performed any movie in three minutes as a showgirl. So I get everybody in the theater to write down a movie on a piece of paper, and I pick one out, and I could perform that movie in three uh, minutes. The Godfather, the Godfather, I do yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, Titanic, King Kong, um, <laughs> King Kong, <laughs> yeah, all so, this. Yeah. But then um, we could start to see the economic crisis coming in the West, right. and um, my husband was always talking about, you know, that the Shanghai was going to be a great city, and um, you know, it's this is China's century right. and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of said, well, let's put your money where your mouth is. Let's go to China. Let's bring burlesque and cabaret to right. China. And that's what we did. Um, and so we moved to Shanghai in 2007. And it took us a long time to open up our nightclub. And we had lots of red tape and lots of issues getting there. But we put together a world-class troop of showgirls and showmen and we took over a 1930s buddhist temple and turned it into this like such a little classy cabaret joint that you would imagine in like a 1930s shanghai jazz club kind of feel and is this all kosher i mean is this allowed like laws by burlesque i don't know what the laws would have been in china at the time sure i mean nobody had ever done it before right. so okay. um we were really kind of paving new territory and also figuring out how to um, get around the laws, right, you know, yeah. respect the laws, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also be able to do our own thing. Um, and we did. We navigated it um, to the best of our ability. And uh, and and for a while there, we had the best nightclub in the world. And as it was running, was it sort of like, it's fine for now, like you just keep things to a certain level? Or what was legally, what was going on at the time to, were you getting a lot of grief? Or was it like, I don't because when we, I was looking at the thing about China, I thought that's a hard place to start, and I don't know what the rules would be. Is that classed as a sex? Is it, what I don't know well, what the. So what we would do is on Wednesdays and Thursday nights we would do shows in Chinese, and um, and our audience was mostly Chinese, yeah. and they were really into like the cheekiness of it, the right, sexiness yeah. of it. Um, and I got to say too, when I talk about burlesque, it's a bit of a buzzword. So I think of it as you know pre television. Right. So it's this kind of new vaudeville. So right, it's yeah. it's sexy, it's cheeky, it's funny. And um, and hopefully, you know, it's... It and that translated to China. That's what I was thinking it wouldn't, but it did. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, we went out of our way to um, right. to, to yeah. show our host country to give them face and to really, you know, um, bow to them in a way. And then on Fridays and Saturdays, we would have... Um, we would be sold out and it would mostly be a Laowai foreign audience. And those would be in English. And we would have our main stage show, but then we also had... Um, 
um, we had a balcony. We had booths around us, one balcony, and then we had a private balcony at the top. So it kind of would get filthier as okay, you go right. up in the nightclub <laughs> um, and as the night went on. And it was an open door thing. It wasn't like a speakeasy. It was a, could everyone see? You it was see? a legit nightclub. It was, okay. I had a speakeasy in New York. That one was illegal. Oh, right. Oh, oh that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just curious. Uh, how uh, Are there Chinese prudish or uh, sort of with regards to sort of sexuality or the, uh you know, sort of um, sex, you know? That's a good question. Um, I I think they have had a very constrained um, vision of what is possible, perhaps. So I think to some degree, they can be very as perverted as the next person. Um, I think we are seeing such a change generationally um, with women Um in China, um, having kind of having more power, having jobs, not having to stay at home and raise kids so much. And this is really influenced for the first time, the generation that is coming up and has been coming up now. Um, so, I mean, I think they're to, you know, they're, they're just people like us, you know, um, um- yeah, but that's the thing is I'm sure behind closed doors, everyone gets up to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the KTVs, which are the karaoke joints, which are on every corner, are prostitution. Oh, and they're wow. run by the police. Okay. <laughs> I can say that now. Because okay, yeah, I, yeah, I can yeah. never go back to China anyway. Right, okay, yeah. so I'm screw wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't want to anyway. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, so but sort of public displays of um, sexuality or sexiness, is that sort of frowned upon or... Um, like on the bill, but like, because I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. When I, I, I traveled a bit around India, and India is a very staid, um, um, uh, male-dominated society. Women, you know, it's not Muslim society necessarily. People have to uh, uh, you know, force covered up, but um, it can be very prudish, and it's certainly um, very male-dominated. Uh, and you know, they're very strange about uh, film. Like all the films have everything edited out. You're not allowed to have kissing or holding hands. You're not allowed to have homosexuals anymore. Um, right mm. in China, yeah, in films, television, they edit now. All. Yep, yeah. they they've just passed it. They're editing out is that new thing then. Yeah, any homosexual act because it is legal or isn't it? character, even just a character. Um, it was classified as a as a mental health disorder, um, and it only kind of recently had made become not illegal. Um, but to be honest, I'm not sure where that all stands now. Mm. I wouldn't push it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Because um, I was going to say, like with India, a bit of a prudish society. However, there are every single product has uh, an attractive lady on it. Like the bottles of Coke, like billboards everywhere. They've got sort of models and these yeah. other, you know, very attractive women everywhere. So although it's a very prudish society, they just ram sort of this sex at you ev- everywhere and everything. And everything. I mean, chocolate bars have a have a model, attractive model on it. You everything. Know? Everything. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know. So how long was the um, the the bar going the uh, the club going for in China? Well, so well, how long were things going well for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, about a year. Oh, just a oh. year. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. I mean, we got um, we got lots of we got we attracted lots of problems. We had because we had lots of international attention. Um, Piers Morgan did a, yeah, a show yeah. on us and like all this kind of stuff, and that was kind of a problem for the Chinese. And then at the end of the day, you know, I'm American, my husband's British, you know, and we can do as much as we can to get Guangxi and get you know know the right people and give face and all this kind of stuff. Right. Is that how you pronounce that word? Because I did, I read the book, yeah. was, I really enjoyed it, and I, and I was oh, slightly thinking about the some of the pronunciation. <laughs> what was it? Gang, gang? Guangxi. Guangxi. And that's yeah. what a rule of society. Or something. Guangxi. It's like um, it's it's who 
you know and how tight your relationship right. is. And it's like it's like being an influence kind of like right. an influencer yeah, okay. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I know so and so, which means that I have a bit of social power. It's a relationship. Okay. Like like juice kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like having a bit of bit of rep, bit of juice. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. A bit of pull. So I like that. <laughs> you, you, so you're catering to the, the Chinese market, the Western market. Everything's going well. It's sort of, you know, up and down. But when did... I mean, so so once you kind of get successful, um, then they start coming around and asking you for oh. things like a license to cut oranges right. or a license to cut um, like onions in your kitchen. Oh, you don't have that? Right. That's going to cost you eight grand. Oh, you don't want to pay the eight grand? Well, if you give me mm, six grand, I'll make it disappear. Right. And it's like Thank these you. kind of things. And... Um, and I mean, we started to get messed with. I mean, you got to read the book. I'm not going to yeah. kind of rehash all yeah, the, yeah. the downfall the of my life. You know, when <laughs> ran into problems with some contractors, didn't you? Yes, yeah, that was a, a big issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm worried about. I mean, as especially as a Western being over there, they know you don't know everything. So that's it leaves a door open to. I mean, it was the same people who helped us to open and help us get legal and helped us along the way who kind of ended up kind right. of tearing us down at the end and just coming around with their hands out constantly right. asking, you know. And so, um, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's no secret. I got thrown out of the country in uh, 36 hours. I had 36 hours because we got tipped off because we had somebody who knew somebody on right. the inside of the police force. It was also during the World Expo and they were literally going going around and we weren't the only club owners that they were messing with you know they were going around and arresting club owners and arresting foreign accountants and stuff and i personally know somebody who who did go to jail that year and got out 10 years later and um we got done on a um like a bogus uh, fraud charge and we were looking at 10 years in prison and i mean thank god we got tipped off because right, yeah. we uh we escaped the country and um, and it really did come down to the wire. We got to the airport and um, and literally, you know, handing over our passports to to leave the country after they had frozen our bank account, like everything. And um, and I remember the guy, ta the girl, taking my passport and walking away with it. And I just thought, oh, oh no, my god! Yeah. And all I had on me was like a number of a lawyer, you know, and that was it. And um, and then a, she came back with a guy who recognized us from our nightclub. Right. Um, I think it was like his brother had had a party there and he knew us and he was like, come with me. I'm yeah. going to walk you through. And so whether there was an alert up right. on us or what, like, but he got us on that plane, personally dropped us off. And as soon as that plane took off, I just remember bawling my eyes out. Um so they, did you leave with anything in terms of, did you get anything back? Is What was the... Yeah, so we left with two suitcases. So all you could fit on the on the plane. And you so. came to the UK? No, we went to um, Bali because oh, right. we thought it was going to blow over. I mean, right. because we oh, had right, lawyers, okay. we had partners, we had Guangxi, yeah, we had, yeah. you know. And so we just thought, okay, we're going to get out and it'll blow over and we'll be able to go back. And so we spent probably about... 10 days, two weeks or something in Bali, you know, and our life had just been blown apart, you know, and, and we have no money. Our bank account's been frozen. Yeah. So we have no money. We have two suitcases. We have no prospect of where to go or yeah. what to do next. And, um, and we found out that we weren't going to be able to go back. So we had to make a call 
about where to go. You know, we could go back to Virginia and live with my parents, um, or we could, you know, come to this country and and try our best. And um, my husband um, has a wonderful group of friends that he grew up with um, and and knows from Bristol and um, some who lived in London as well. And they really uh, took us took us under their wing. So all you were able to do really is get on a plane somewhere. That was it. So yeah. you had to be looked after at the other end because you had you, so everything you've left behind up to now has there been anything that you've got back or anything that you could um yeah so we we did manage to get some things back um like some random things back um yeah and some of I mean were you able to sell the building or the business was that just so so the the Chinese eventually took it over, yeah. and um, I mean they raided. The, by the way, they raided our. They came to our house. They came to our office. They raided our nightclub, like looking for us. Yeah. Um, and then so they tried to rent it for a while, and it got closed down. Um, and now it has been reopened as an event space. Um, I still a couple of the people who who are involved I know from from that time, and I think they've done a good job of preserving the the atmosphere and the beauty of the building and stuff. Um, yeah. And can so would you even want to go back? I I don't think I can go back. I think um, I would risk. I, it would be a risk to go back. So I don't even I don't, if they said you could come back, it wouldn't be worth the risk. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I'm not going back to China. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but reading the book, it was it, it was really interesting because I, I got the um, the sense that it, it, it felt almost like um, the same sense. Like it almost felt like being in an absolute monarchy. In that it's a society where you don't really have rights, human rights, civil civil liberties. Uh, you know. Um, so you have there are laws and rules, but the government seems to be able just to come in and say, no, nah, they don't apply to the government, and you don't have any recourse. You don't yeah, have any protections best, and recourse. The laws are this at to, this moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, they can just say, you know what? They can just say, you know what? Uh, we're arresting you for something, yeah. and you can I mean, go that's prison. what's happening in Hong Kong right now. Mm-hmm. That's you know a genocide against the Uyghur people that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it. it you're bet. right. Yeah. yeah. But they can literally, I mean, they can seize your business, they can take your money, they can put a fine on you, they can literally, it's like the monarch, you know, it's like yeah. sort of Henry VIII coming along saying, oh, it's a, it's a nice place you got here, yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's good, I want it, you know. Yeah. Although, I mean, they can literally take anything they want. Other countries and, do the same thing, Western countries, there was a guy I'm trying to get on the podcast here, got put into Guantanamo Bay, and he was, yeah, seriously, but okay. he was like, okay. no, they just come and got me one day, because I was doing, he was, I think he was doing some charity work in remain or something like that and he's connected to somebody else and because he was in his phone book they just the whole thing is like no they just come and grab me out of my house in england and threw me over there and two years later it's like hang on no the laws you can't do it. i'm a british citizen and go nah when it comes to it it doesn't really we can do what we want I mean, with China, it, there was a real opportunity there. It really felt like when we went over there and stuff that they were opening up opportunities yeah, for yeah, foreigners. They yeah. wanted us there. Yeah. They wanted our money. They wanted to be not seen as the world's sweatshop anymore. They yeah. want to be seen as the world's superpower. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we helped their image. And um, and and then they kind of blew it, you know? It was like... Yeah, I don't know when that happened. Because I thought, like, money's got around in Around 2009, As soon as they opened <laughs> up a McDonald's over there, that's it. The doors have been kicked open. Mm. But now it started to go back again. I thought, oh, I thought they were sort of going that way. And now they're not. They're coming... Um, well, they they do. They seem to do this, don't they? They seem to let people. They seem to give a bit of yeah, bit of rope, yeah, bit, a bit yeah. of leash, bit of bit of leash on the leash, and then we're all right. Come all in. of a sudden, yeah. they they yank it back. And they, again, like with the protests in uh, North uh, in Hong Kong, um, you know, 
people people go out and uh, protest and stuff, and sometimes they'll the police will come out and bash them up and they'll fire tear gas. But then they allow these protests to go on and on and on, and then sometimes they'll peter out. And then uh, you know, three four months later, they'll arrest ten thousand people. They'll just come out and arrest everyone. Yeah. You know? And 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 you think oh because you sort of think oh things are moving in a positive way yeah. and the you know the the path of you know the thing bending towards uh, uh, freedom yeah. and justice, you know. So you think, oh, things are moving the right way. And then all, they go, nope, and they yank that <laughs> chain back, yeah. But I don't know what the benefit that is, because they must know for businesses that you, you, you're an impossible situation there because you're undermining confidence, which is, so that's it, though. Nobody's going over there if you can just grab things at the last minute. I mean, if you have very deep, if you have very deep pockets, if you're like a McDonald's, you know, those kind of companies probably do really well over there. What was the, was it Google? What was the problem with them saying, no, you, we, you have, we, there were certain things they didn't want to show in Google. So they said, no, well, we're not going to go there then. Haven't Google or they pulled, are. Yeah, haven't Google pulled out? Yeah. Yeah. So they are out. They are, they are out so, then. Yeah. They've got their own search engine, don't they? Uh, I mean, in some it. ways, because it is, you know, quote, communist society, um, they have some benefits to that. Like everybody uses WeChat. You use that to pay. So like at dinner, everybody can, you know, divide up the check and and pay at once really? just using your phone, all these kind of <laughs> – like there's there's some things that, um, that actually work really well being able to just – put a mandate out that right. from now on we're using facial recognition, you know, where these things are allowed, these things aren't allowed, you know. And um, So the, the whole club, the burlesque thing, the theatre, all that, is that, is there anything in you that's doing that now? Or is it just the future, the technology stuff? Is there anything that's holding on? Well, so I have, um, over lockdown, I wrote a new book. Oh, right. So it's, How far into it are you? Or you've done? Well, I've, I've just, I've finished it and okay. I've just gotten to the point where I've started to kind of submit it to agents and stuff. Oh, okay. So keep your fingers crossed. Wish me luck. Okay, good luck with that. Um, yeah. Thank you. And it's about the Chelsea Hotel. So I mentioned, oh, right. um, um, so my husband lived there for 25 years and I lived there for the last three years um, before it got sold. So the Chelsea Hotel, I don't know if you're familiar with I don't it, know. but it is it is absolutely legendary. It's kind of like the, the bohemian rock star hotel. So like um, Janis Joplin, Patti Smith, um, it's where Sid Vicious supposedly killed his girlfriend, Nancy Spungen, <laughs> yeah, no. all these kind of things, and then a um, bunch of artists. So it has this amazing history. And um, and I had s begun to kind of write another memoir, which is – so Diary of a Shanghai Showgirl is my first book, and that's a memoir. And so I had thought maybe this would be a good memoir. And um, – and, I, and then I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, actually, the thing that really interests me is the stories about particularly the female artists who were there. Um, so, you know, like Joni Mitchell and Nico and, you know, all these people. And then you had Andy Warhol and his superstars and Edie Sedgwick and stuff. And, um, and I really wanted to tell those stories. So I have taken some of my inspiration from my personal experience and then done lots and lots of research. And I've molded it into a novel. Um, and yeah, it's called The Last Chelsea Girl. So okay. um, so you asked me about the theatrics and stuff. And so I have in my mind that at some point I would love to do kind of an immersive theater show when the book comes out um, where you could go into a space and maybe there's different hotel rooms that have different actors playing the different stars and you could kind of go through it. So, something kind of like punch drunk or mm. um, one of those kind of things. So I definitely still have that theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah Cause that's a lot of experience to have to just move on from that. That's a lot of, I mean, I always think that whenever you've moved from one thing into another to you're almost, your ideal, well, the, the person that could do both, 
you bring that old old things that have been around for a long time never have really gone out of fashion they just need to be brought in to the new modern do you know what i mean so when you say things like that, you go, well that's perfect and you're the perfect person for it um is the chill, is the hotel still there? So what happened is it got sold in yeah. 2007 under much controversy. And then I think it got resold again in 2011. And all, during all this time, it's been closed. So it's not officially open but right it's now. But it's still a structure. It's not flats or anything. Oh, there. no. It's a beautiful oh, okay. building. And there's still people who live there, residents, who, and I'm right. friends with um, okay. with some of them and um but they're hoping to reopen in 2022 as a club no as the, as the hotel, as hotel. Oh, as the, okay. Okay. but for instance um i'm not exactly sure like my we had the penthouse the pyramid penthouse on the roof and the largest private rooftop garden in manhattan and um and i don't know what they've done with it but i think it's definitely going to be something like a, a spa or some shit <laughs> <laughs> swimming pool or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so what's your husband do now is he designed can you talk about that yeah sure okay. <laughs> yeah um i mean he's essentially retired okay. um but he is a designer and he's actually kind of in a in a neat place right now where he is able to kind of pursue his fine art for the first time so he used to design um album covers like the um house of the holy um, you know, the Led Zeppelin album cover where the kids are climbing up the thing. Well, he did the the physical work on that um, for hypnosis. And he was the art director for Marvel for a while. Um, and then a nightclub designer, all these things. And he was on stage, too, as the right. MC. And, um, yeah, he's quite a character in his own right. And um, But now he is um, getting ready to do an art exhibition. And he's been making these 3D sculptures that are pretty hilarious. And, um, you know, those um, at the charity stores, you see those, like, tacky little things that people yeah, get. Yeah. Those, those yeah. little statues, <laughs> yeah. right? So he's taking those and, um, and redesigning them right. and... Um, and turning them very punk and all okay. kinds of things. I was going to say, like stuff you see on the back of a uh, 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 National Explorer. No, uh, what's it? Um, what's the really trashy one? What magazine? Yeah, the American. With the trinkets. Oh, no, the, the American, American one. No. Uh, not National, it's on the National Geographic. The one with all the celebrity gossip. Oh, forgotten. Anyway, oh. they have, my mum buys it. <laughs> <laughs> not the National Reporter. People? Na National Enquirer. National, National Enquirer. Oh, National, National Enquirer. Yeah, National Enquirer. Yeah. They always have these rubbish, you know, they got that like Elvis plates and yeah. like weird. Um, kitten things with like sort of you know ghost eyes and stuff you know soulless like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah what was the thing what was, what was it? so he's designing that in a sort of punk <laughs> yeah so i mean each each one is 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 quite different and um and pretty hilarious i'm not going to do it justice by trying to explain <laughs> it but um, what, do, what are you doing in your spare time what's like your hobbies have you got any sort of weird strange little things that you do yeah, well, I have a couple. So I make uh, collage art. So I love cutting up magazines right. and putting them together. That's kind of how I relax. Okay. Um, and then my latest one is I'm starting to make clothes. So um, And you're using actual sort of physical stuff. Like so you're not online. This is like a you're physically cutting things up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> my favorite part is yeah. getting magazines and then like going through them, picking out what I think is cool and then and then kind of like seeing how they work together and stuff. So. And what about you spoke, we'll end on this, but the, the, the sort of haptic future of mm. things and I thought, oh, that's interesting because I thought, well, it sounds gimmicky, touching things up. But then it was when you started talking about um, 
things not being clean and not having to actually physically touch like a cash machine. I thought, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> right? That yeah. Just the pressure of the, yeah, that works. I think, um, yeah, so there's a there's a company called um, Ultra Leap and they allow you to have midair touch sensation. So you're not actually touching any screens yeah. or anything like that. But what happens is we've... So, so, sorry, you just sort of go near it then? Yeah, and you feel um, air. So it's... Um, it's it's ultrasonic um, technology, so very high frequency air airwaves, audio waves that make yeah. you feel things. Wow. And the thing is, is that when we start to move into these like augmented reality, virtual reality experiences, we can wave our hands around all we want, but our brain isn't happy because yeah. our brain wants to feel like we've touched a button, feel like we've flipped a switch or turned a dial or something. And so this allows us to do that without having to um to, to get germs and Yeah, I mean disgusting. you could use so many I mean opening a door, pressing a button to start something lift. That's all filthy stuff. I mean I mean be, you think about that thing everybody presses to walk across the street. Like what if you just yeah. like, you know, could well, like, yeah, press the it lift. With your hand the other day or... I used the lift and somebody was filthy in front of me. So I specifically put my thing I in the try I just try and do it in my coat now, all or, or like, like apes my wrist. Also, yeah. Like I'm just sort of pressing stuff on my wrist. Yeah. And I desperately and, and like like that bit isn't gonna get like dirty yeah, yeah. or grown on you know what I mean? Like okay, oh, that bit I can go without. Well I spoke to a doctor and he said the worst thing he said all the germs are built up around your wrist because nobody washes yeah. the wrists. Yeah. So they yeah. wash up to the hand. But it's all, all the germ in the shirt. That's where it cuts yeah. off. It, all the dirt gets built up under there. So you have to get underneath it. He also said to me, always wash your hands twice. He said the first layer, it just doesn't. Oh, three times. I do it three times. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, I'm a little, yeah. <laughs> uh, i got a little bit of a thing going on. Four minutes of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, turn the light switch on and well, off. That was, you know? Yeah, the haptic thing, I thought, okay, I'm back on track a little bit now. Medical, yeah, good. Haptic, yeah, that, that makes sense. I just want to know that we're not all running off the edge of a cliff. Like, I want somebody to grab hold of things and go, right, okay, listen, there's an adult in charge now. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, So in two weeks in Amsterdam, I'm hosting the T-minus 30 Summit, which is all about um, what technology can do to um, help climate change. So we get all the brightest minds in artificial intelligence, machine learning, all these things, and how we can apply it to the environment. So I feel like that's a really positive conversation yeah. that's happening. Yeah. Haven't they got the carbon dioxide machines recently i saw something like the size of cars yeah what is well, it what I, am i thinking what am i trying to say I mean, carbon sucks in carbon dioxide yeah i think it was in iceland yeah that was it yeah but my problem is it's like okay d that's good but when you stand back again you go right you've got to plug the hole over there which is everyone else you can't just go well we're going to introduce these things here but if you're still pumping stuff out over there that seems like you've got to sort the bigger problem out first you don't fix tiny little thing when the massive problem is still going and that's the thing i feel like i wonder, I wonder think we get pandered to sometimes but it's got to start somewhere you know and somebody's yeah, got to set an example and set a precedence and you know and make it feasible you know because if they set an example we see that it works we we see the figures the numbers and how it can help then other countries might follow yeah, suit. i think you've just it's money you've got to get them with the money like the government's not going to help you you have to go right i'm not buying that anymore i'm going to spend more on that that's the only way things change I'm, and I'm, their greed will make them follow well, that, that way well that's the thing i mean green yeah, green energy and, and, and green technology is such a bit new big industry yeah. that's going to be so huge yeah uh, and it you know it's going to make pe people so you know can look at like fossil fuels and say well the oil industry and blah blah, blah and you know polluting polluting industries are going to suffer 
but there's such big opportunities, like such a new market there, uh, really you, waiting. And why not? Why not go down there? Why you, not explore and use this use technology? And you know, yeah. But it feels forward, like the, the children have to go. Look, sorry, the adults are just going to mess it up. The kids, you've got to you've got to force them to change. With um, did you hear this? Um, Boris Johnson's recent speech in the UN. He went over to the UN and um, he he basically made a joke about. He tried, it like just fell flat. Like oh, it was nothing. the Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it's not easy. He said, "Isn't it unlike it's, it's not easy, easy being green?" green. Oh. And it was sort of like <laughs> in the background, <laughs> tumbleweeds. You know, just Which like I hello, bad is this him. thing on? Is this thing? Because yeah, I thought it's tough sort of crowd, funny. tough room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get no respect. <laughs> but um, um, I feel bad because I thought, well, that sort of worked. I mean, it's, just, it's all right. And you're like, in America. Yeah, you, you, I don't know. He shouldn't be cracking jokes. <laughs> yeah, but especially when you're doing nothing about it yourself <laughs> to be over there preaching. It was what was it? It was the G12. Yeah, it was something I didn't. The know. G12, re- uh, the the one they had recently. G20. G20. I remember that it was more than seven. Is what I was because normally it's G7, but yeah. it, was, it was a lot of people. I remember uh, it was hosted down in the West Country, and um, and I remember like they had they they were filming people. They had these photo op bits when they were filming them from like a sandbank about a mile down the beach, and everyone was dots on it with the uh, the photo lens. Um, and Boris Johnson was walking around trying to make, uh, trying to. They were having a little drink bit where they were also socialising, and he was walking around with several beers uh, as like an introduction thing, and like he was constantly just by himself. Oh, no one wanted to talk to him, and like I'm just like, yeah, he's a bit of a twat. He's like, like the Ivanka <laughs> Trump. <of> <laughs> <laughs> um, he, worse, he's like the Eric. Oh, oh God, <laughs> it's, it's not just, even there yet. Not even. Not, yeah, no, he's Eric. I well, mean. listen. It's been good having you on. I, you've from the the research on you, and I was sort of like, oh, I want to feel a bit better. But then, and now talking medical, the haptic stuff, I'm a bit more positive about things. I mean, there's two sides to everything. There's opportunities and there's risks, you know. And I think, well, yeah, you're saying, well, like we're on a, it's we're on the on that sort of tightrope. And it can be pushed one way or the other. Yeah. That's and, down to individuals to... And that's why we need to talk about it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's why we all need to kind of take responsibility. Yeah. And um, and these conversations really help. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Conversation is part of the help. So yeah. you're sort of doing a bit here. Um, well, good luck with the book. So oh, thank you. Well. Good luck with, uh, yeah, good luck with your um, uh, conference. Uh, can you thank not... You so what, much. I don't know what the rules are with uh, uh, audio. Can you not just get that made into audio? I probably can. Because it's so, surely that's just sat there waiting. Because I know yeah. a company that was doing crime books, he had a crime podcast and he was getting people done that had authors. So he just set up a company just to make them all audiobooks. Yeah. He said mostly people are going to read them, might be from backgrounds where they haven't learned properly to read. Because I literally can't read. So I'm locked out of a lot of books. After, unless it's an audio, I'm not going to be able to go through it. Um, and surely just that's a way of making money to say, look, here's the book. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just lazy, to be honest. I just, if it's, it's just I'd do, if I had a book, especially if it'd been written previously, I'd, I'd be definitely be taken to an audio. But I say, look, nowadays, it's not 1980. It's just sat there. Turn the thing into audio because a lot of people can only listen to audio. And that's an interesting book. From We went through it. Well, I'm hoping so, yeah. they turn it into a TV show. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, do you know what? Funny mm. enough, I was speaking to somebody who wanted their own podcast because they had some interesting stuff about a book they wanted to write. And their author said, the best thing is to do, turn it into a podcast with series, 
get a radio station interested in that, then the work will come to you. Mm. So that's probably, the, she said, that's the easiest way, then try to get the, the thing made. She said, don't, you have to get them to come to you, which means you've got to have a, get onto radio, but to get onto radio, means you've got to do your podcast. Yeah. So definitely do that. But yes, uh, Diary of a Shanghai Showgirl. Showgirl. Yeah. I can hardly Community recommend it. Very interesting. It's a good cover as well. Like, it is. Straightforward. It does everything. That's me. Yeah. And that's you, yes. And I have to say, Fantastic picture of you. Oh, don't don't sound And on that compliment, um, <laughs> we will end back, there. But yeah, so thank you very much for coming in. Oh, uh, we're pleasure. going to keep an eye on you with everything that's going on and anything in the future, definitely we get, get you back on. Awesome, I love that. Thank okay, you. so there you go. And we'll be back next week. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Could be larger than life